Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are excited to be in your house this morning. Excited to take a deep breath. To step away from the week. Whatever it looked like. Busyness, craziness, stress, whatever. Victory. Taking a moment, Lord, to quiet our hearts. To really spend the moment and begin to listen for your voice. It never gets old when we hear your voice. Let us quiet ourselves so we could hear that this morning. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, it'll be exciting because you are a powerful and mighty and awesome God. If there's one thing that we have in life to share and to offer to others, it's relationship. Whether it's in marriage or in family, or in friends, or in business. Lord, there are connections to be made, and that are made. And Lord, you give us your word to remind us what it should look like. And so as we seek you out this morning, I pray that your word would be the word we would hear, that your words would remind us how we need to treat others. And really, Lord, how that reflects how we will treat you and You are always a good God who loves us so, who cares for us, who respects us. May we be those the people that reflect your image. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage. So this morning's passage came out of uh, a wedding that I'll be doing Saturday. And when I asked the couple, uh, it's a it's a friend of mine and uh, and her husband to be. Uh, from school, and uh, they were mo- in the process of moving uh, from one church to another church and didn't really have a connect, and we had a connect. So um, as, in the process of uh, marriage counseling, we all, I always ask the same question, is there a verse or a passage that you would like uh, to be shared, and we'll work from there. Um, and sometimes people pick 1 Corinthians 13, and we all know that. That's a good passage. Uh, but this couple picked a different passage uh, than most Actually, they picked two passages, and I want to share those with you this morning and begin to unravel them uh, and understand them in the marriage uh, concept, but also in relationship concept. Uh, the, the first part is Matthew uh, 19, 4 through 6. So that's where we'll start this morning. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his wife. Or leave, sorry. Let's start this again. What are you saying? He will leave his wife and go back to his mom. That's what he That's, that's what it. My, someone's. No. That's what, that's what happens when you can't read or your eyes. So, I mean, you're older. I'm going to need Sally. You're going to have to hold that out there. Let's start over again, kids. Goodness. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female 
and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. We'll switch to Romans chapter 12, 9 through 16. I want you to listen to the action words in here, the verbs. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. May God add his blessing to the reading as we continue to sing this morning. Come to you this morning. May our hearts be in that spot where we just want to offer our best. Not something, but our hearts. Our very insides, our very being, the part that you want is that part, our hearts. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray it would be powerful because you are powerful. That it would be to the point because, Lord, you are to the point and have a point for our lives. You have directed our paths to here this morning. Lord, none of us are here by coincidence or accident. Each one of us have come, maybe not even intentionally thinking about it, but we have come to hear from you. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would quiet our hearts, that we would be able to, if it's one sentence or one word or one verse, one illustration, whatever it is. I pray that you would empty me of me and, and fill me with you. We know, Lord, that you are the King of kings. You are the one to be glorified. May our hearts be in that, pointed in that direction. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There, there, it's right there, Lou. Look. <laughs> we do have a gatekeeper, Lou. He keeps track of when the, the little sign's going to go up that says the kids can go. If you didn't notice, he was pretty intent. I'm not sure if he can read it, but he knows what it means, so it doesn't really matter. He probably can read it. Yeah, it's all about pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's... Getting the start of wedding season, or June as we might say, right? Traditionally we think of wedding season as uh, June. Do you know why? Do you know why that? Ooh.
or springtime is the normal time historically for weddings? What's that? Oh, family, no. You're going to, yeah, you're going to, yeah, exactly. Amanda's got it. You're going to love this reason. Because all winter, you didn't take a bath. You think I'm kidding? Look it up, Google it when you get home. I'm serious. Back in the early days, there wasn't, we didn't take a bath every day. There wasn't a shower. And so they wouldn't, literally wouldn't take a, a shower for months all winter. Well, when it finally got warm enough to be able to take a shower, take a bath, get clean, they would get cleaned up and then they would get married. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I don't... <laughs> they didn't want to waste water. No, I don't know. <laughs> false advertising? Uh, I don't know about false <laughs> That's why we traditionally have done weddings in June. Now, obviously, now it's here. It's, it's finally not snowing in June, right? So <laughs> it, it's warmer than 40 degrees. We can, we can do something and not uh, have to worry about snow coming. Um, as I told you at the beginning, this, this, uh, these passages were... Uh, were given to me by a couple that I uh, absolutely appreciate um, the way that they're going into marriage. Uh, this couple is uh, in their mid-twenties, um, but what really has stuck out to me as I have done some counseling, as we've talked, is that they want to put God first in their marriage. That is so cool to see. Now, lots of people say that, right? We talk about that as, uh, as people, but they are so pointed at putting God first in their marriage. And when they picked these passages, I, I thought, these are not normal wedding passages. These are not something you'd normally hear at a wedding. Uh, but they fit really well. And if you know much about Scripture or if you have read much about Scripture, you know that the idea of marriage and that relationship um, is weaved all through Scripture. Jesus, you remember the... Uh, the first miracle that he did, he was at a wedding and he turned that water that was uh, water in the vats to, to what um, the guy said was the best wine. And there are other times in illustrations where uh, there's a, a parable where people weren't dressed for the wedding. They weren't prepared. And so there's, in that parable, it talks a little bit about how the wedding or the marriage relationship mirrors our relationship to God. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that God has allowed us to have relationship, to be married, to be together, um, to help us be reminded of the relationship we have with God. So, so the best imitation of God's relationship with us is that of a husband and a wife. That's, that's what Scripture says. That's what it points out. We don't really think a lot about that. We just think, well, no, everybody just gets married, right? Or everyone just has a relationship. And the other thing I wanted to, to make mention as we go through this, just because you're not married, you have tons of relationships. And so I want to encourage you that what you may hear as this is what happens when you get married, this is a, a wedding uh, Scripture it's not only a wedding scripture, it's a relationship scripture. And I want you to think about how you would use these ideas in other relationships in your life because no one here lives in a vacuum, right? Even if this is the only place you come once a week, you're still here with us, 
You're with the rest of us. So we, none of us lives in a vacuum. We all have people that we're going to come in contact with, that we're going to have relationships with, that we're going to connect with, and there's a lot of choices to be made in the midst of that. So what is it about this passage uh, that sticks out to you? I want to... I had a really rough morning. I made a PowerPoint and I pulled the... I learned a bad lesson. Don't pull the flash drive out until it's done. Um, that corrupted the file and so I lost it all. So I started all over again with about an hour to go. Um, <clears throat> but then I took and made a copy of it but it's still on the copy machine. So... <laughs> So we're going to play it by ear because I can't remember what I got up there, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. It'll be okay. It is. It's all good. It's all good. It's not that big a deal, Ken. It's just like marriage. It never always works out exactly how you expect it. Some of it is. So um, there's one piece I do want to talk about real quick up front. I want... I want I want to clear this up because I want to make sure that we are on the, you don't have to be on the same page, but I want you to understand where I am. There's a, in that passage of Matthew 19, four through six, it says at the beginning, the creator made them male and female, man and, uh, fa- male and female. And I want to, I just want to clear that up on my end. That is what I believe that God instituted marriage, male and female. Um, I always, always, always have a, caveat that goes with that though because we have people in our lives who don't believe that we have people that are around us that that aren't there we have we have people in our lives that have uh, kids and family members uh, who are of the same sex and 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 I just want you to to know this straight up that God loves them too and I want you to hear that. You may not totally agree with that, and that may be a little bit hard to take, but God loves them too. He loves them, and sin is sin. Sin is sin. Don't, don't forget that. Sin is sin, because you and I all have, we, every one of us has sin in our life. We have not lived a perfect life. So I say that just so that, that it's out there, because I think... Uh, sometimes when we don't say anything, we say something. Uh, and I want to make sure that that is out there. But I want to talk about this morning about, uh, about what makes... Uh-oh. There you go. Do you want the best in your relationships? Do you want what's best for your marriage? Or are you okay with just having it okay? Is there anybody here... <laughs> Probably, probably don't raise your hand if you're really close to your spouse. Uh, is there anybody here who just wants it to be okay? Oh, nobody. <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> She's not married, so it's okay. She can. <laughs> right? None of us goes into a relationship, into a marriage, or into a friendship, a relationship in life. No one goes into that thinking, I just want it to be okay. I don't think we do anyway. I think when we go into a friendship or a marriage relationship or any of those relationships where we will go back and forth, we go in wanting it to be the best it can be. 
Mind you, we're all human. And we all are going to bounce back and forth. And there are going to be issues and there are going to be struggles. And I always tell young couples that, that there are no perfect marriages. Uh, I promise you there are no perfect marriages. I can tell old couples the same thing, right? There are no perfect marriages. It's work. And we have to continue to work at it. But do you want it to be the best it can be? I would say yes. I hope you're saying yes. That you want it to be the best it can be. It will not be the best it can be if you're not intentional about pointing it in that direction. If you aren't intentional about pointing your relationship with Christ in that direction, it won't be the best it can be. If you're not intentional about your marriage relationship, it will not be the best it can be. If you're not intentional about being a good friend, it will not be the best friendship that it can be. The very first thing that you have to do is seek unity. The scripture talks about uh, being unified, about being together. I'm going to see if I can find that verse. I'm really lost because I... Oh, it says, uh, it says in verse uh, 5 of Matthew 19, For this reason, a father and a mother will, be, or will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and become one flesh. What does that look like? Sometimes it looks like a grandchild, I think. <laughs> How do we become one flesh? How do we go from being two separate entities and become one? I was, it was explained to me by a lawyer uh, about a year ago how that works, in Pennsylvania especially. It happens to work in Pennsylvania because we're a commonwealth, I think. That's why I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. You'll have to, if you need legal advice, don't ask me. But, but here's what he told us. We were getting our will ready. We were putting our stuff together, um, planning a will, just trying to get that all together just so it was done out of the way. And he said, listen, here's what you need to understand about how this works. He said, there's your wife. There's you, and then there's you and your wife together. And they are a separate entity. They are unified together. He said, if you're going to have a car, put it in both your names. If you don't, and your wife or you happen to pass away, and it's only in their name, it becomes a part of the state. If you put it in that unified couple, it stays with the couple. And that's still a part of the group. Unified. Being unified together. How do we seek unity in our relationships? This says, go as you come as two and you'll leave as one. I always tell couples that I, I believe that that's a miracle of God. That, uh, that we can come as two and leave as one. And think about this just for a moment. <clears throat> when... Who is it in your world that you can spend 24-7 with for the rest of your life? Not many people, right? Veronica, <laughs> Veronica's laughing. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. <laughs> but let's be honest. Even our family members, um, after a time, are hard to live with, right? 
And so to me, it's a miracle when God's able to put two people together and they can figure out how to do life together as one. <laughs> you know the verse that says iron sharpens iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. One person helps to lift another. It says in Ecclesiastes, a cord of three is strong enough. I love that. There's a, there is a cord of three marriage paper where they actually braid the three cords together. The husband, the wife, and God together. It's a pretty cool thing. But I want to share with you a really cool wedding ceremony called the Salt Covenant, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Salt Covenant is this. It comes out of uh, Numbers 18, uh, 19. And uh, tradition says this. If you and I make a covenant together, we both bring salt. So you bring a bag of salt, I bring a bag of salt. And we, make, and we prepare to make a covenant. You take a pinch of your salt, and I take a pinch of my salt. I put my salt into your bag, you put your salt into my bag. And here's how the covenant works. Because it's up until then, it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. But here's how the covenant works, right? The covenant is this. Unless you can take your salt back out of my bag, and I can take my salt back out of your bag, the covenant has to stand. Pretty much impossible, right? Because as soon as I dip my fingers into mine and throw it into yours, it's all one sand. It's all one salt. In a, in a wedding ceremony, this is how it works. And we're going to be doing this Saturday. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom bring salt from their house. And each of them bring some salt. And they pour that salt together as a symbol of the unity that they have in that marriage with the same idea. Unless you can separate those salts back out, the covenant needs to stand. Now think about salt just for a minute. When that salt uh, was used a long time ago, they didn't have refrigeration. So salt was used to, uh, to help uh, preserve things. It's a sign of purity. It adds spice and flavor to things. And that unity adds spice and flavor to our relationships. See, th th we're talking about a marriage, but we're also talking about our relationship with God. Have you made a covenant to follow after God? And be committed for the rest of your life. To be unified with his plans. Scripture says we are the bride. The bride of Christ. We are like the bride. And, and so that relationship is uh, so similar in a husband-wife relationship. Now, mind you, it has been toxic. Uh, the world has made some marriages and relationships toxic. But that doesn't diminish God's love or God's plan. Secondly, you have to love actively. I don't know if that's spelled right. You know how when you look at words and the font's wrong and you're like, there's got to be the wrong spelling because it looks funny. Well, I got about three of those in here and I, that's one of them. 
We have to love actively. Paul is going in Romans and he's saying, listen, here's a very practical list of things to do to be active in your relationships and how you can love others. You can love actively. Don't settle for the circumstances in your life, but look for God. Don't quit searching for God, but seek Him. Don't give up. We continue to build your faith. Don't hoard what God has given you. Now, when I say hoard, we always think of stuff, right? Hoarders pile up boxes and boxes and boxes. I'm talking about emotions. I'm talking about willingness to share. I'm talking about um, things that we quit offering others when we get hurt. Don't hoard those up, but give freely. Don't be negative. Do you realize how challenging it can be in a marriage when all that happens is negative? Encourage the other person. Spur them on, Scripture says. Don't be emotionally cold, but be willing to listen with empathy. There's a, uh, someone a long time ago said to me, and I, I love the, if you, want a good friend, if you want a good friend, be a good friend. If you want a good friend, be a good friend. Think about that just for a moment. I put spouse in there because I thought it would be. If you want a good spouse, be a good spouse. And if both sides are doing that, it works pretty good. Does anybody know what that's called? Good job. We got a couple science people. That's good. I didn't want too many. Was it? Because I don't know that much about it. But <laughs> I know enough to be dangerous, right? Newton had those. We know about the laws of gravity, right? We at least think he got bonked on the head by an apple. We're not really sure that that. I don't know if that happened. Whatever. doesn't matter. I think it did, but I wasn't there. Was anybody else there? No. Okay. Sweet. Nobody was there. He also had laws of motion. And his law of motion, the third law of motion was this. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And if you like, if, if you're entranced by, if I had one of these, I wouldn't get anything done. I really wouldn't. Because if you watch a YouTube video, it's really cool. You hit one ball and it goes over and it knocks the other ball and it comes back, hits the other ball. And, but then when you take two balls and you pull those back on the side and you hit there, it hits two balls. And then when you do, yeah, when you do three, guess what happens? The middle one goes both ways. And you can even do four. And when you do five, it just sits there. <laughs> and it swings. I love, it doesn't take a lot to, I mean, I almost did a countdown video of that. It was so cool. It reminds me, though. <coughs> Excuse me. It reminds me, though, that when we do something in a relationship, there is a reaction on the other end. If we want a good response, we need to act out first uh, in the right direction. If what that red ball would initiate would be a fight or a, a curse or a, something demeaning to our spouse, what do you expect is going to happen on the other end? 
What do you think is going to come pointing back to you? We have to expect them to respond the way we have treated them first. If they've had a bad day and we choose to respond in a bad way, don't expect all to be flowers and roses, right? On the other side, if you want your spouse to encourage you, step out and encourage your spouse. Be the person who puts that first step forward. Don't blame the other person. If you want a friend that encourages you, stand up and encourage your friend. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. All these things. And we have to ask ourselves, where do I land on these things? Do I settle for the circumstances of my life? Or do I look for the good Do I count my blessings? Do I quit searching when things go bad and things aren't going where I'm planning? Or do I seek God and try to discern where He would have me go? Do I give up? Am I a quitter? Or do I continue to work at my faith one day after day after day after day? Do I hoard everything I have? Or am I willing to give it up? Am I willing to give it away? Those are hard questions, right? That's what Paul's asking. He's like, are are you going to be negative or are you going to encourage people? Are you going to allow the baggage in life to make you emotionally cold and not be able to listen with empathy? Are you going to let your past dictate the future. If you aren't able to be a good spouse, it's it's better to get some help. Right? Because some of us sometimes we have we all have baggage of past relationships. We all have baggage of past struggles. We all have baggage of the world. And at some point, we have to not allow that to control our life. We have to allow God to be bigger than our struggles. Hear me, if you aren't a good spouse, get the help to be a good spouse. If you want a good marriage, you have to be a good spouse. Finally, Check your attitude. The last scripture, verse 16, says, uh, Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It seems like that pride is one of those things that creeps. It's a creeper. It's not, it's not always outwardly that we... We do it. It's not always outwardly that we can see it, but it's one of those things that kind of creeps in behind the scenes, and before we know it, it's, it, it begins to control our life. 
and I believe this, our attitude does inwardly what our tongue does outwardly. We know the scripture about our tongue, right? We talk about tame that tongue. Don't say those things you know you shouldn't say. That's in James uh, chapter 1. talks about uh, taming our tongue. It might not be one. It might be three. I might have got it backwards. It might be three, one. It's in James. I know that. But we talk about taming our tongue. But I will ask you this. Whether you say something or not, if that attitude is in your mind... Does it change the way you see your spouse or a relationship or your friend or someone else? If that attitude is in your mind in, inwardly, does it affect the way you see other people? You know it does. If someone wronged you and then you see them, it's all awkward real quick, isn't it? It's awkward because... There's that in our attitude, that attitude in our mind is, this person did me wrong. They have not done what they promised they would do. They did not follow through, or they didn't act or respond the way I thought they would respond. Does your attitude reflect Jesus on a daily basis? Does it reflect Jesus when you're going to Walmart? And someone pulls out in front of you. Or when you pick the longest line because that just must be who I am. I swear that happens every week. Does my attitude reflect Jesus? I'll ask you that question. Does your attitude reflect Jesus? Simple question, but not so simple answer, probably. And most of us would say, yeah, at certain times, when I go to church on Sunday, my attitude reflects Jesus really well. Especially if you ask me. When we go back to the line, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, right? Does your attitude reflect Jesus? I like this because I think it reminds me that there's something to be said about the way I'm thinking and what I'm putting first in my life. What's inside of me will end up coming out. I can lie and I can tell you that, uh, you know, I can put on a good face, but what's inside of me at the end of the day is what will show forth. You may have seen this. You probably have been... If you've been in the church for in the last 50 years, you've probably seen this. And when I saw this when we were getting first married, I thought, that's a silly idea. The idea is this. It's a triangle that says that the husband is on one side and the wife is on the other. And the more they put God in the middle, or the more they point themselves towards God, the more they become one. The more connected they will be. The more in tune with each other, they will be. I'll ask you this question. Are you putting God in the middle of your relationship? Are you putting, and I don't, you know, I, I always think, I got to tell you, I'm going to tell you this story. We, someone very nicely gave us this couple's devotional 
15, 20 years ago. It was really cool. It looked just like my Bible. It looked just like this. And it was couples devotional. It was really snazzy, beautiful. And we opened it up, and I don't know what happened. I, we, only, we joke about it these days. We opened it up, and we started on number one, and it must have been a bad day. Because we started on number one, and we had a fight in the middle of our couples devotional. <laughs> The worst part was we used the first page, so we couldn't give it away. And we can't, I don't know if we still have it, but we had, I, think, I think we finally gave up. We tried it more than once. I don't know what it looks like to put God in the middle of your relationships. I mean, I know what it looks like, but I don't know exactly what that means. For us, a couple's devotional wasn't the way to go. For us, getting in a car, I tell my wife we're trapped and we have to spend time together, is where we put God in the middle. When we have that time that there's not something else to distract us about in, in life, and we can spend time talking about where God has been working, God has been moving, where God hasn't answered, where God wants to direct the paths. Of all the big things in my life that have happened I can tell you that I can remember those conversations with my wife. I can remember those conversations with other trusted people where I took the time, they took the time, and we put God in the middle and we tried to figure out where God was headed. And what a shame it is that we don't have those people. If you don't have those people in your life you can trust, Seek them out. That is what this is about. This is not about an hour of sitting in a pew and leaving until next week. This is about building a community where we trust other people with our spiritual walk and we can be transparent and we share our struggles. We, sh we share where God is really pulling and challenging us. We share in those moments of victory. And I always say it's really uncool to go to Sunday school, right? And yet, we have some really awesome Sunday schools, and I encourage you to go to Sunday school because that's where we begin to find out and do life together. I encourage you to jump into a Sunday school and to begin to put yourself out there and be a little bit transparent about where God is leading. See, because I'll tell you right now, everyone in this room has struggled with their faith at some time. And probably most of us, if you're growing, are continuing to struggle to see where God is leading. That is normal, people. And anyone who comes to church and makes a pretty face and thinks, oh, everything is perfectly and fine in my life, you're here for the wrong reason. We're here to seek God, to find out where He is directing our next path, to move us in a direction closer to Him. In your marriage relationships, it should be the same. See, Jesus wants us to be in a relationship as tight as a marriage. To know back and forth where we're at. To cry on his shoulder when we're hurting. You've heard me say it a hundred times. Marriage is not for the best day of, the, of your life. Marriage is for the very worst day that you couldn't do it on your own. You might not make it, and you have someone to lean your shoulder on. To lean on and cry on their shoulder. 
That is what marriage is about. It's easy to find someone to go to a party with. It's easy to have a celebration. Those are easy things. But those hardest things of your life, that is where God makes the most difference. That is where a relationship, a marriage relationship, where your spouse makes the most difference. Or they should. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, that's where it begins. You can't, you can't take it to God if you don't have God. It's just that simple. Think about this. If one side of that triangle is, is disconnected, the triangle never works. We know that un, unequally yoked scripture. I had it in there somewhere. I didn't use it today. But we know that both sides have to be equally yoked. They both have to be pointed in the direction of God. And so I encourage you this morning that if you don't have a relationship with God, the one, the mighty King of Kings, I encourage you that there'll be a time to come up to the altar. Um, I want to pray for you today. If your marriage is a mess, I want to pray for you today. If your marriage is great and you just want to make it better, I want to pray with you this morning. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, you have given us this marriage covenant, this understanding of marriage to better know how to relate with you. You have put it in our path, Lord, to understand that sacrifice in a marriage is important. That being unified together, pointed in the same direction, is important. Lord, you have told us and reminded us that we need to be actively pursuing our spouse actively pursuing the relationships in our life. Lord, working towards you in our life. And Lord, I just pray most of all that we would put you at the top, that we would put you at the beginning of the triangle, and Lord, that we would begin to seek you even more. May our lives reflect the love that you have put into us. May our lives, Lord, reflect how much you care over us and the desire you have for our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.